it's so funny to be potting with you for so long, Mace. Talking albums and some films with you is like playing 40 chess. But I heard you let another show out there. Take off your podcast dress. I'm not gonna get too fucking pissed and play some kind of shitty little game. Cause I don't know if you're out there potting with somebody. I only know it's not the same. Mason, I know this show is killing you. Oh, Mason. <laughs> Let's hang with Stu. Well, I see you got a Patreon now. Did they take their 10% and then go fuck you in the ass? You used to do the mid-roll ads yourself. Why don't you go touch grass? Most times I wish that I could stop you from talking when I hear the annoying things that you say. I think somebody should put you down for nap time cause I can't stand to see you this way. Mason, I know this show is killing you. Mason, let's hang with Stu. 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 That could go on for so long. There's yeah, literally, yeah, yeah, literally yeah. there is 40 seconds left in the track, but I'm cutting it off there, brother. My, Enough of that. S- uh, I when I took piano lessons as a kid, I would always have my piano teacher just get me like pop or rock songs that I really liked to try to learn them on the piano. And she had this very particular like annoyance, which is when the sheet music would end with fade out. She would just be like, "Why don't they just find a way to end the song?" She thought that a fade out was such a cheap uh way to end a song, and I I disagree with that. I think that it's a really sublime fade out in in Allison, just a sublime song too. Uh, not a sublime song. I was just about not to say, brother, song. come on now. Come on now. It's not not a sublime with Rome song we got going on here today. Could you imagine if Sublime covered Allison by uh by Elvis Costello? I think it sounds a little it. some Right? It sounds like it would be a good mac mesh mesh little mishmash there. I think. Yeah, it's I personally like when bands who you don't expect to cover a song cover a song. Like I think yeah, that's great. just yeah, I think that, like, it, uh, just, I don't know, um, exactly, yes. yes okay. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay. so he agrees okay. with me. So the man agrees with what I'm trying to say. I agree with what you're trying to say. I do agree with what you're trying to say. Um, 
Here's one thing that I I, I uh, don't agree with, and it's sending more visual uh, gags over the email, right. and then insisting, and then insisting that we have to read it on the email. So this one goes out to Ryan Maloney. Well, first of all, uh, he, banned from yes. the show. Let's just banned from the ban, show. Banned from the show yes. now at this point. Yeah. Uh, he did send an email to everybody wants to the number two get on the list at gmail.com and he had a very nice thing to say. He appreciated some po he found some poetry, I should say, in this show description from last week. Uh, and I emailed him back saying we're not w- reading it on the pod because there's nothing to read. Okay. Um, and he said it would be nice to read it, but I don't know what he wants me to read. So this is an acknowledgement of Ryan Maloney. Just to give him the satisfaction. And also just to call for things for us to read on the show. Read, please. Words. Mason, <laughs> words in your email. We can't you cannot you cannot acknowledge an email like that. That is like criminal in the world of podcasting. That sucks. That sucks. Are you saying we don't negotiate with with terrorists like Ryan Maloney and yeah. Dustin Titcomb. <laughs> that those two men need to be they need to be shuffled off the contiguous forty eight. They need to be put they need to be put in a little hole and that has no like knowable address. That's we're what gonna I'm have yeah, we're gonna construct uh it's on the prison, which is like <laughs> the prison from face off where all the inmates have metal like magnets on their feet and they can't yeah. like walk around. It's hard for them to walk around. So that's what's in your future, Ryan Maloney and Dustin Tickcomb. But um hate those. Well, I said the name of the show. Noah. <laughs> you said that okay. So you want me to introduce Welcome to It's on the List, the podcast of my underrated albums, movies, and a whole lot more. Mostly more. Mostly we're covering Mostly we're covering not, not albums and movies. Mostly we're just talking about whatever the fuck we want. I am, of course, the host of the show. One of them. Uh, Funny Tongue, maybe. No Marger. With me, as always. Um, the cutest boy east of the Mississippi. That's right. And I don't have... And I, and I am proud to say that. <laughs> I know, and I'm biased because I see him every week. Well, it's... Well, it. it's... Well, it means a lot coming from the cutest boy west of the Mississippi. Come on now. Come on, Mason. I know what you're trying to do. Come on now. You want McDonald's food early. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. You got it, baby. All right. Well, thank you. Mason, how's your week going? I had a pretty good week, all things considered. I saw Jean Dahlman at the Siskel Center on Monday. Check that big one off my list. Uh, I will. Cha-ching. I uh, I'm I'm going to admit it. I'm going to be a, a, a big man about it and say I did nod off a little bit in the first section of that movie, right? Uh, because I was coming right from work. I was very tired, but very good movie. Just went to work, basically getting in the swing of doing that, having a little hybrid situation here, figuring out doing the pretty good situation in the office. Oh, oh, buddy, <laughs> that's what I if really wanted job is, you to get at. That's what I you really wanted me to get to you to that. Yeah. Folks, ladies, germs, everyone not on that spectrum uh, or in between that spectrum, wherever you find yourself. Uh, I have been <laughs> converted into the church of Bubbly Bounce, the caffeinated sparkling water. And here, after just going off about not having visual gags, I am showing a can of it on the screen here. Well, that's, it's fine if looking, we do it. Trying to read it. Like, yeah. we host the show. We figure it out. Anyone who listens to the show... Send us yeah. good emails. It's not Send us hard. good emails. Yeah. We have such um, a low bar and two people have not either, cleared it. 
either send me send us good emails or send me uh cans and pallets of bubbly bounce caffeinated uh uh sparkling water because uh we have it at my office and I have come to rely on that for my little afternoon pick me up drinks and when I come home I don't have it in my home so they got me to spend money on my own hard earned money on sparkling water they finally did it but man folks I'm burping something fierce because I'm drinking one right now that's awesome they're really good they're really good well Mason before we introduce the guest I do think it's important that we this will be old news by the time this comes out but we do have a little bit of old business to take care of something that we sort Mm. of laid the breadcrumb trail out for this week and as of right now 2.19pm on Sunday January 30th Mm, we have results we we should get to the results of this. I haven't looked at the results yet, but I saw where the race was last night, and I'm just I'm I'm ready. So, thank you to Chef Thomas Thomas Saradarian mm-hmm. for helping us construct this question that we posed to the listeners, to the people who follow us on Twitter.com. We put out a poll, and the poll was simple. It was asking a very simple question: Which host is more of a quirked up white boy goaded with the sauce? Easy question. Easy thing to try and figure out. We're not asking you to do some fucking rocket science here. This is a this was an extremely close race, Mason. Extremely close. But I have the final results here. Are you ready? I'm. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Winning the vote with fifty three point three percent. Really close. Really close. Is yours truly the funny talking baby, Noah Marger? Mm. More mm. of a quirked up white boy goaded with the sauce. Not surprised that the results came out this way. Yeah. Mason, it was a very fair and very well fought game, and I yes. want to wish you the best in life. I wish you the best too. Um, it's only fair. I was checking the results when it got posted. I had an early lead, but Noah, Noah. This this means that he is the true uh, the true wearer of this crown here, because uh, slow and steady wins the race, folks. And but I guess heavy is the head that wears the crown. The heavy say. is the head that does wear the crown, and so I will just uh, be the uh, quirked up, funny talking dog. That's right. That's goaded with the sauce. So, you know, Mason, it's all right. <laughs> no, I'm thinking about this. I've been thinking about this the entire time. Then we're going to introduce the guest. I promise. She's being very patient. Uh, I've been thinking about this the entire time. Mm-hmm. I want you to have won this race. Really? So, out of the kindness of my heart, <laughs> <No>! <laughs> I am bequeathing no! the title of host who is most who is the most quirked up white boy goat with the sauce to you, Mason. Because at the end of the day, God, you really are in my eyes the most quirked up white boy goat with the sauce. Truly. I am um, seeing how this future, with wearing this this crown, having this burden, is, is I'm seeing the future of this, uh, like uh, not unlike Dev Patel at the end of um, the Green Knight, and I just wish that there was some uh, monster here to cut off my head. So um, let's let's get it on, <laughs> please. <laughs> That was I can't believe that that was what you said when I so graciously gave you the title. That is so fucked up. I know. I know. I did you're such right, a nice right. thing I'm, to you, and you're like, oh, I just wish right. there was a monster here. Fuck off. You're right. You're right. You're right. It was very kind of you. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. Uh, I suppose DMs are open. Whatever. Let's keep going. 
Yeah, well, we just remember who the kinder host is for all eternity. Let's just remember that. Let's introduce the guest. Let's get her in here. Finally, our guest today is a dancer, occasional contributor to Mary Go Mar- Round Magazine, and one of the few select people who ever got to podcast in person in my old Highland Park spot for my favorite podcast. There is a, I think, maybe three or four people who can say that, and this is one of those people. So happy to have her here today. Please welcome to the show, Haley Bergeson. Haley, what's up? Hello. Hello. How you doing, boys? <laughs> Mason, Mason's on top of the world right now. I don't know if you just I'm on heard. top of the world. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Just just, just living with this burden of being the quirked up white boy goaded with the sauce if it's on the list. It is, yeah. uh, it is so, it, the view from up top is so nice. What does it feel like to be goaded with the sauce? I I wouldn't know. Damn. Um, <laughs> wow. You know what? It's um it's kind of cool. I'm feeling uh a little bit invincible. Um, but now the clouds are kind of coming in underneath the throne up here, and I can't quite right. see the valley. You know. Yeah. Wow. How things turn so quickly with you, Mason, as the quirked up white boy goaded with the sauce. <laughs> And I do want the record to reflect, it'll have an asterisk next to your name. Because yeah. originally I did win, but because out of the kindness and goodness of my heart, I did bequeath it to you. Right. So that's right. what it'll read. And when people study this later on in a couple hundred years in schools or whatever, in podcasting 101, they'll be talking about the great, the the the, the lion-heartedness of Noah in that moment <laughs> to help me. So. Um, yeah. Haley, what the hell's on your mind? What's going on over there? What's going on in my mind? Yeah. What are we thinking about? What's on the what's on the, what's on the top of the dome? Oh my gosh, I don't know. Talking to you guys. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Honestly, that is good because you're, you're about to moment. do it. Yeah, I'm in the moment. Hell yeah. You're in a back room of some kind. There we go. Podcasting straight from it's a studio of some kind. Would is that fair to say? True. This is the staging studio for my boutique job where I yes. work as a shop girl for Desert Wives all over Los Angeles County. Thank you. And yeah, I took a little sidebar to hang out with you guys. So <laughs> shut down operations for the <laughs> store fully. No one is allowed in or out right now. Anyone who's in the store had to stay in while you're like, I gotta go podcast for like two hours. So please give yeah. me some space. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they can join, join the podcast. Maybe. And see what they have to say. Yeah. What do they, what do they hey. think about Ethan the Cobbler in color green? Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to publicly give a shout out to maybe one person in particular? Any person? Today? Yeah, maybe someone whose birthday happens to land. Oh, yes. I asked Noah to please remind me to wish my father a happy birthday today, January 30th. Aquarian father. Um, I forgot one year in college and it haunts me every single day. So I asked Noah to please remind me, but I'll have you know that I actually remembered on my own. But if I hadn't, this would be a really big moment. <laughs> yeah. In a way, that makes you the quirked up white girl go to with the yes. source. Yes. Okay, now I do know. There we go. Like. There we go. It's very cool. It is kind of a heavy burden. <laughs> just all of a sudden realize sitting back in the chair, literally having to take yeah. a rest because of how heavy the head is that holds the crown. Yeah, Damn. very cool. Yeah, 
Should we should we get into this? Should we get into this this the stuff that we got here today? I'd love to. Get into it. I would love to. We've yes, we've got a chef special today. This is a very uh, this is a this is a, a a nice pretty gorgeous plate you've cooked up here for us, Chef Haley. So we are gonna do a little. It's on the list. Upside down cake. We're gonna start with the movie this week. So Chef Haley, please describe to us or introduce the film that you selected. For us to, uh, to watch and talk about this week. Okay, so I asked Sweet Noah and Mason to please watch and discuss The Thief and the Cobbler, directed by Richard Williams over the period of 30 plus years. Um, yeah. I chose this movie because my siblings and I have been on a Thief and the Cobbler crusade since we first saw the film when we were children, and that we've been like complete, completely obsessed with it since we were kids. Um, but not a lot of other kids had seen it. And so like my brother, for example, would show it at school and like, sometimes he would be asked to show a movie on like movie day or whatever, and he would show it and the other kids wouldn't get it. So in the spirit of, of the crusade, the childhood crusade, I'm bringing it on so we can talk about it. And I just truly think not enough people have seen it. It is so amazing and like stunning and then also really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this so this is this is not mm. only this is not only personally for you huge. This is you're bringing in the whole family on this one. Oh yeah, this is a family affair, Thief and the Cobbler. I saw this Man. movie like upwards of like fifty times, probably when I was a kid. Holy shit! Wow. Yeah, it's it's best. so short too. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's so funny, especially to for to review for today. I oh. rewatched it yeah. obviously. And I watched the fan edit version with no internal monologue. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, mm. and I'd, I'd never seen that before, and it really, like, transformed my perspective on the film because when I was a kid, you know, we loved the thief and his um, Jonathan Winters internal monologue. <laughs> yes. It was so yes. funny, but then I can totally see how it kind of, like, it, it was great without it too. It's a totally different movie without it. Before before we get too too into into maybe the, I'm just, I'm glad you did watch the, the 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 recobbled cut as it's yeah. been colloquially <laughs> dubbed. Um, but Mason, before before we get in too much into the movie, what's your history yeah. with Thief and the Cobbler? My grandma, I'm pretty sure, had this on tape as well and I think it might have been so folks if you're if this discussion encourages you to go check out this movie and you're going to rent it on Amazon or maybe other places it's under the title Arabian Night but when I was watching it on a tape I knew it as the thief and the cobbler and I remember like it was weird because like I had seen and I had loved Aladdin so much and here was this movie yeah. that was like recognizably recognizably Aladdin um and but like not and moving specifically like moving in a very different way like I was watching um but I was so always so intrigued by it and intrigued but I don't but with that uh with that in mind I just remember like images from it I don't know if I even actually ever finished watching the thing you know like I think I got to the black and white tile chase and that is just kind of where my brain okay. shuts off because I couldn't handle yeah. it. Um, and that is like my, the short history of, of this film. So basically 
I'm sure I'd seen it, and I this is one of the first times I can think that I've watched it all the way through. Noah, I'm curious though, where you fall on this one? So, of the two of us, Mason, I think it's not not a lie, not a stretch to say maybe I'm the bigger fan of the animated <laughs> realm, maybe than you are. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I had heard about this movie because it has a. <laughs> Storied is maybe the diplomatic way to say it, but a troubled history uh, out there in the world mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of reasons. When we get to the fast facts section, I'm going to be giving the most broad overview because I quite literally could probably sit there for 20 or 30 minutes and just read off the yeah. history of this film. But that's it's just not interesting. You just got to go seek out these videos that like outline the history of this film and why the hell it's called Arabian Night on fucking Amazon and all that stupid shit, too. Um, So I had known that this was a more or less, like, unfinished masterpiece. More or less. Like, that's kind of what I knew about it going in. But I'd never seen it, but I'd always had been kind of in the back of the mind slash on the back of the list and just been like, I'm going to see this one day. This is something I have to check out. Um, And I remember watching some video essays which I don't know if that's cringe to say that I was watching video essays about them, but there's two in particular that I really liked. One is called Richard Williams Animating Movement by Royal Ocean Film Society, and one is, I think the guy's name is Steve M. I'm, I didn't write it down, but I believe it's Steve M. It's called The Greatest Film Never Made, question mark, The Thief and the Cobbler. And they both talk about Richard Williams as a guy and sort of as an auteur, uh, as well as The Thief and the Cobbler and sort of the unfortunate... Like, truly tragic tale of trying to get this movie yeah. Yeah. finished. And so for me, mm-hmm. going into The Thief and the Cobbler, a.k.a. Arabian Night on Amazon, I could, I, I simply could not detach the history of the film without w- while watching it. It was very hard to divorce those two things. There's things about the movie. Obviously, I'm watching the movie for the first time. I'm watching the animation. I'm watching... The jokes. I'm watching the jokes right. by the fucking thief just <laughs> going off. Uh, but it was really hard for me to divorce the fact that this movie's... Now, I don't want to say the legacy's been tarnished, but I just felt so bad for Richard Williams. The entire time I'm watching the cut of the film that's most probably been seen, which is the 72-minute Arabian Night version. And that's kind of where I was at with this movie, but... Richard Williams is a goat. I mean, truly, he is a white boy goated with the sauce. I mean, if you really want to get yeah. down to it, the man we would not have one of my favorite movies of all time, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, without Richard Williams. He is more or less the guy who helped us get there. You know, obviously, Zemeckis and Spielberg yeah. and all the cast is great, but Richard Williams is kind of the glue that... He was the animation supervisor? Do I, do I remember Visual that effects, animation supervisor, like sure. just sort of the... Okay. The guy who melded the two worlds so seamlessly. He's the reason why the, that movie's magic pops as much as it did. And he won two Oscars, yeah. actually, for his work on that movie. And that was kind of, that's kind of what most people would know him from, if they know him from anything at all, if they don't even know the name Richard Williams. But that's my history with Thief and the Cobbler. It's a really crazy story. But let's talk about, let's talk about the movie. Let's talk about the actual movie itself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Haley, I'm curious, growing up, Having been a connoisseur of this film, uh, what stuck out to you then, and do the same same things stick out to you now, or have things changed? When was the last time you watched the movie? Talk us through that whole thing. 
Um, yeah, so I would just say that like, obviously as a child, you're just less culturally aware. So right. you're not paying attention to like in the Miramax version that I think I was watching as a kid, yeah. there's a lot of like pop culture references and like celebrities like Jonathan Winters doing a thief voice and all that. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like layered on top of the older aspects of the film, considering that it was began so many years before it was actually released. Um, and so now as an adult, I notice it's like sort of, it has this funny uh, duality and that it's like, it's like ancient, the setting is ancient. Right. But it's also sort of like, it has like an antiquated thing going on because he talks about like, Disneyland. The thief talks about Disneyland and like redoing his gym, the gym in his basement, and stuff like yeah. that. So now watching it as an adult, I noticed that like it's fairly obvious that it must have been made over a really long period of time. Um, and that it's like sort of meta with the internal monologue and stuff like that. Yeah. As a kid, I just think I really liked it because it was so um different from other it felt so different from other cartoons and it felt like delightfully unique from like disney cartoons and things sure. like that that i watched exactly um yeah. i also enjoyed i remember enjoying as a kid i guess like the fact that it was self-aware but i probably wouldn't have been able to like articulate that as a child but i remember right. enjoying that with my siblings like how delightfully kind of sarcastic almost the movie seems to be yeah and you think that the cobbler's hot i do <laughs> hot, yeah i do and i kind of agree with you actually tax he's cute so yeah, with his, little, with his little tax and his the, his tax that are coming out making his small little mouth and then the time he does open his mouth is this this thing that takes up like half that was kind face. of disturbing honestly i didn't yeah, like when he actually opened his mouth <laughs> i just like the tax hanging out to be honest with you yeah, yeah. The version that I watched last night, um, he at the end smiles, and it's the first time he speaks because he's mute for the whole movie. And he tells the princess, "Yum yum," that he loves her. And yeah, Aww. he almost has like what are those called that people get when they don't have bad teeth? Um, like he looks like he has fake teeth, and his voice is like oh dentures. And, no, it's um, they're like really expensive. I should I can't remember headgear. No, what they're called. Invisalign? Yeah. The cobbler has Invisalign in the movie. Yeah, his dog his orthodontist put him on a Invisalign. Yeah. It looks like veneers, those like fake teeth that like Malibu type people get, or like people that want a bizarrely perfect smile. He just looks like he oh, suddenly okay. looks like so handsome and like royal and his voice is like bizarrely low. <laughs> it's supposed to be Sean Connery, right? Wasn't that the thing that he was gonna come in and record that like final? line i don't know about that i read it was supposed to be sean, sean connery i read it was sean supposed connery. to be connery yeah sean come here princess yum yum <laughs> yeah, i was like whoa i expected him to have a different voice but yeah cobbler's hot because of his character <laughs> <laughs> yeah he, you're a, you're very you're very into his mind yeah you're very into the so cobbler's mind. His mind yeah He's he's uh he's a tenacious fella. He's a little he's resourceful. He's got a you know there's he's he's wily. He's he's a nice boy. He's wily. He's a nice. He's boy. a he's a he's a corked up white boy goaded with the sauce in a way. I'm so yeah. I'm so glad that in the uh I'm so glad that he do, seems to not speak in this like this cobbled version because uh 
I had like this similar. I kind of I think I had a similar thing where like I was just so aware that there was just like these like the the Jonathan Winters like kind of voiceover and the Matthew Broderick voiceover was very much just like it felt like either Miramax or whoever got this footage and was just like, all right, what do we do to to what do we do to this movie? And like, let's just we got Aladdin here. Yeah. Let's just package it as Aladdin and give it away. And they were missing, but like with that, like. I was just, like, so into how this movie looked and moved, basically. Uh, like, and you, you're you absolutely right, Haley, that this movie does not, like... Like, I was appreciating it so much on, on that that particular level um, that I... It was easy to miss, like, the kind of, um, you know, the, the, the more Disney sort of related stuff, I guess. Uh, Noah. Yes? What was it like for you to watch this movie? Uh, the Aladdin thing was very shocking to be honest with you. Like, the fact that they basically were like, we're gonna do, like, <laughs> your dad goes off to war and buys some weird foreign DVD version of Aladdin and then brings it back <laughs> for you and you watch it and you're like, oh, that's funny yeah. slash really actually very weird the way that this is happening. Watching it for the first time at 25 years old, I'm like, god damn, this is so Frankenstein together. Like, in some ways it does sort of remind me in the best possible way, well, the best and the worst possible way, of being in film school and watching cuts of people's movies in class where it's not, like, yeah. totally done yet, but, like, it's improving, you know? Like, to me, this feels like maybe just past the halfway point of what the movie's supposed to be, yeah. you know? And I can't, like I said earlier, I can't divorce the truth of this film in terms of thinking about it as its entire package. I just kept thinking, like, God damn, I got to sit down and watch the recobbled cut of this to get the Richard yeah. Williams intention because I thought the thief was really fucking annoying to be honest with you. I did not oh, I did not so like funny. I didn't I just felt like god damn they're just trying to do genie. Like literally I was just like they're just trying to do genie. And I genie and Rob Williams yeah. is perfect. Yeah. Perfect as genie. You can't get there to me in my well, head. The, yeah, well the thing with the thing with genie is the animators animated to Robin exactly. Williams's performance exactly. Not you know how they do and it in, this, in this one yeah and what's nice what I like about this one is like or the thief and the cobbler and I'm curious Haley if this is more apparent in the in the version that you watch but it, you can just kind of like turn the volume off and follow it you know or put your own like kind of soundtrack underneath it like the biggest things that that I did not like about this this particular version that I watched that no one I watched on Amazon the Arabian Night cut, I guess it's called, or whatever, are, like, the songs totally. and the dialogue. And just, like, not trusting you as, like, an audience to follow it along on its own merits, you know? Like, just just put a soundtrack underneath it. Maybe have ZigZag be the only guy that talks. And I thought ZigZag was really cool, actually. Uh, I thought that guy had such a cool design, Um and uh, but he and the king need to be the only ones that talked, I guess, or maybe Princess Princess Yum Yum. I don't know, man. Like I am so Haley. Can you talk a little bit about the difference that you notice between the recobble cut and the the version that you remember? Because I'm just so curious about that. Um, that that version that you watch now. Yeah. Um. Well, I want to be like the silent version is so much more. Well, I do think it's more beautiful. Like it's. I was when I was reading about Williams also I read that he had this whole like um defiance against the fine art world but that he had this like epiphany when he was 16 that 
animation, if Rembrandt was making work at the time he was 16, then he would be an animator. So he, right. he definitely saw animation as like a form of fine art and watching the recobbled cut, I definitely saw that. And then also knowing that like a fan poured themselves into re-editing the film to like mm -hmm. respect the integrity of his original vision is just really cool. So also there were some scenes that are completely cut out of the Miramax version. Um, specifically some scenes that have like some sexual innuendo and then also there's a scene where the thief gets caught stealing and he's stolen those mm. like golden back scratchers from princess yum yum yes. and he gets taken by guards to like the city center to have his hands cut off and like that's oh definitely not in the miramax version and that was a really cool scene in terms of being able to see with like fresh eyes without that like childhood attachment to the narrator and like having such like fond yeah. memories of thinking that was so funny because he it, it's like charlie chaplin like silent comedy physical comedy and when he's about to get his hands cut off he like pulls the golden back scratchers out and pretends those are his hands and like Classic. and like scuttles away like he does so i definitely think that the silent version is just straight up like more beautiful and like a better more high quality mm -hmm. film but i like Noah, I can't relate to like resenting the internal monologue just because I have such fond personal memories of finding it so funny when I was a little yeah. kid. But I enjoyed like I was I was a little bit disappointed because after I watched the recoupled cut and then watched a compilation on YouTube of all of the <laughs> all of the thieves like um internal monologue from the whole Miramax version. And I'm like feel a little bit torn because I find him now a little bit annoying. Like it's like Let's go. Mm. Let's irritating. go. It's mm. irritating to hear him like reiterating the physical comedy, but I can't let go of how funny I think his. And it's just so funny that it's like he he doesn't live in that ancient world. Like that is very funny to me, and I really sure. enjoy that aspect of it. But yeah, those are the main differences. Just that the the silent version is more beautiful. Mason, you should gotta check out the recobbled cut. There's some sexual innuendo. You'll like that. <laughs> oh. You'll there's like that. Of, I am yeah. There's a lot what of thing I'm gonna do after we finish recording. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. You should actually you should just click off right now and probably get get it over with, I think, at this point. What were you gonna say, Haley? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut. Oh, it's off. fine. I was just gonna say sorry, there's a loud part outside the desert wife store. Um <laughs> Get out of here! Get out of here! That was a desert there's, husband um, coming there's through. There's a lot of, like, prostitute action in the... Okay. Um, oh, Mason, yeah. you, write, you write this down. Do you have timestamps for Mason on this Yeah, stuff? definitely, yeah. I'll send it right over. I'll send the okay. timestamps over. Obviously, you know, it, it's it's a, it's on his list of crimes, like, what happened, how uh, Miramax... Uh, did this movie so dirty is very low, like on the list of Harvey Weinstein's crime. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Miramax in particular, very low, but should still be on that particular list. Um, yeah. It's like a, it's like know. a straight up case of just them being like, fuck you. <laughs> the audience is like, you're not going to like the nearly silent version of whatever this is like the, you know, like that that old school feeling of like oh I'm watching the tramp the the Chaplin yeah. character or I'm watching the Buster Keaton character go along you know with whatever and especially coming off the fucking heels of Aladdin it's it's just like the perfect shitstorm that this guy never gets to really see his thing 
come to life. Well, I believe that. Yeah, and I wasn't Richard Williams. Uh, like an like he worked at Disney, and he used like animators from Disney to to help him make this movie over thirty years or whatever. And then Disney turns around and makes makes Aladdin, fucking Aladdin the same. Yeah, and it's just it it. It, it it's so just fucking unfair because Haley made a great point about this movie. Like just every single frame is so just gorgeous and interesting to look at, and then how it moves. Like that's just what I'm coming back to. Just how this movie is just like moving, even in this like kind of cut up and not quite accurate version. Um, I still think that there's something there. You know, I just think it's it is beautiful to look at it's just so it is. fucking cool that's the best part of the movie is having seen yeah. it just for the first time at 25 is like this is the most close we'll get on a major level to seeing richard williams's film the recobbled version obviously will probably i mean cross your fingers if it ever does get the point where it can get like a theatrical release or some sort of like home release but arabian nights probably the closest we'll get to, like, a major mm-hmm. release of Thief and the Cobbler. Also, not for nothing, but I did see so much of Haley in, in Thief of the Cobbler. Oh. I'm like, yes, I could, oh, really? uh, I could see. I just know that this is a Capricorn movie in your I, Wait, I was actually going to look up if he's a Capricorn because also reading about his life, I was like, this guy sounds like a Capricorn. And I remember the last time the last time we hung out in person was when we saw It's a Wonderful Life. And I just remember I literally remember being like hanging out outside the theater and like us talking about how they had the preview for um a Christmas Carol but the Muppet version of a Christmas Carol. And <laughs> yeah. you Oh my god. And they and you being you being like, I don't really know a lot about the Muppets. Is there an underdog Muppet? Because I think I'd be that Muppet. And I was just like, it's one of the funniest things I've ever heard someone say. That's so yeah, I don't know that I would be that Muppet, but I would love that Muppet. Oh, okay. I thought you said you would be the underdog Muppet. I'm sorry. Maybe. I mean who can say, but who can say what Muppet I would be? What? The nice thing about the Muppets is that they're all underdogs in their own way. Yeah. It's like a family of underdogs. That's true, Mason. Amen. That's one of the best things you've ever said. I love that. I was going to say, I feel like um, the fact that this movie took so long to make and that they got kind of fucked by Disney and all of those components, I feel probably make me like it more. And I can also sure. see my parents yeah. wanting to show that movie to us more because of that. <laughs> so it's like, it's yeah. almost like delicious how painful and difficult it was for him to make it because it's like he was he had like opposition you know it is yeah it is just i mean that's that's a great point it is just kind of incredible that you can just go on amazon and find it under a different name of course but just have it there in any case you know Mm -hmm. or if you wanted to drop like 60 bucks on a dvd (laughs) on amazon you could do that i know it's ridiculous it's crazy the Um, i do love hmm. We've kind of we I don't know if we addressed it fully, but I think one of you said it at one point. Matthew Broderick is the narrator slash voice of Tack in this movie, which is like that's a like you know a huge get. That's a huge actor to like play this part, and because of how anachronistic and how like pop culture referency the Jonathan Winters thief is, uh, this and hey, if anyone out there from what Miramax became or whatever, whoever owns Miramax at this point, Disney whatever. They, they get this one for free. When you re-re-cobble the Arabian Night Cut, have Tack walk by after the credits and go, you're still here? Go home. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, with uh, Prince's uh, Yum Yum. Go home. He, he, he. You get that one for free, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. He, he, he. Yeah. That's, that's, I, uh, that's, 
That might be the best thing you ever said <laughs> on this show, honestly. No, I've said so many cooler things than that, Mason. Uh, <laughs> did you guys at all, have you seen the six-minute short that Richard Williams did called Prologue that was Oscar-nominated a few years back? No. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I would highly recommend checking it out because it does something I really like in short-form storytelling because it's only six minutes long, where it sets up one thing and then the ending recontextualizes everything that you've just seen. And it's just like, wow. Oh, this man gotcha. is so old at this point. He's in his 80s. And he's crushing it. He's still a master. Even at 80 years old, he hasn't Didn't he lost. he pass away like last 2019 or? 2019, yeah, I believe August of 2019. So, unfortunately, the late, Shame. great Richard Williams. But you got to go check out Prologue. It's, it's excellent. I'll say it. It's excellent. But I will just say, this, this film... Arabian Night, the you know seventy-two minute, most people's have seen the, like cut of Thief and the Cobbler. It's worth watching for the damn animation. At the end of the day, like put yeah. aside, in my opinion, put aside everything else. If you just want to see some like breathtaking animation, this is worth fucking seventy-two minutes of your time. That's what I'll say. That's what I'll say. I agree. I agree. I got nothing else to say after that. I think you summed up my position on this pretty exactly. So, any final thoughts, Jess Haley? Do you have any any final thoughts? Um, uh, my final thoughts are that I agree with you. I think ever entered that movie, but Let's if you go. can't muster up the attention span to watch the whole movie, just watch the chase scene where yes. the thief, I think, is chasing the cobbler, and there's all of those optical illusions. Don't have a timestamp for you, but you can find it yourself. But so you I have the other timestamps for Mason. The, the yeah, special have those for after the show. <laughs> for after the show, yeah, for post show chat. We're gonna be talk. We're gonna wow. be talking list after the show. Come join us. We'll be doing the wrap up portion, the talk back portion of the show. Um, I'm gonna give some fast facts. Okay. Let's go. Oh, okay. Little John giving the fast facts. Okay. Yeah, very cool. <sighs> Thief and the Cobbler is an unfinished animated fantasy film directed by Richard Williams. Originally conceived of in the 1960s, the film was in and out of production for nearly three decades due to independent funding and ambitiously complex animation. It was finally placed into full production in 1989 when Warner Brothers agreed to finance and distribute the film. When production went over budget and fell behind schedule, it was heavily cut and hastily re-edited by producer Fred Calvert without Williams' involvement. It was eventually released by Allied Filmmakers in 93 under the title The Princess and the Cobbler. Two years later, Disney's Miramax... Mm released another re-edit titled Arabian Night. Both versions of the film did not perform well at the box office and received mixed reviews. Ooh, scary. That's the scariest word. Mixed reviews. I'm scary. Uh, In 2013, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences archived Williams' own 35-millimeter work print. Williams himself acknowledged the film's rehabilitated reputation thanks to the projects like the Recobbled Cut, a popular fan edit by Garrett Gilcrest and Persistence of Vision, a 2012 documentary by Kevin Shrek of the Shrek clan, detailing the film's Ooh. production. With Thief and the Cobbler being in and out of production from 1964 until 1993, a total of 29 years. Uh, that's a weird sentence. It was out of production. It was in and out of production for 29 years. Uh, it was also the final film of several actors and artists, including animators Ken Harris, Errol Lacane, Emery Hawkins, Grim Natwick, and Art Babbitt, as well as actors Felix Aimler, Eddie Byrne, Clinton Sundberg, Kenneth Williams, Sir Anthony Quayle, and most notably, Vincent Price, who died one month after the film's initial what? release. Because he's zigzag, isn't he? 
He is Zigzag. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Legend. I love that. I love Vincent Price. That guy's awesome. Do you guys remember the SNL <laughs> skits with Vincent Price? I don't. Not with the man himself, but like Bill Hader would oh. do like Vincent Price, and he would always be creepy. I don't. All right, that's a self McDonald's food on that one. <laughs> Bringing up fucking something that nobody knows the fuck I'm talking about. Figures. Uh, William stated the unfinished version from May 13th, 1992 is now archived digitally and duplicated by the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Quote, the Academy has it in a golden box uh-huh. now and it's safe, William said. The unfinished version, along with a selection of Art Babbitt's animation from the film, have been placed into an archive named the Art Babbitt Collection. A collection of artwork uh, from The Thief is also stored at Disney's Animation Research Library in the Feature Animation Building. The unfinished version was screened at the Academy Samuel Goldwyn Theater under the title The Thief and the Cobbler, A Moment in Time, on December 10th, 2013, with Williams in attendance. On June 1st, 2014, A Moment in Time was screened in London under the BFI with many of the original crew present. And on November 25th, 2018, during another screening in London, Williams suggested the possibility of a Blu-ray release with the BFI. Williams said the European rights to The Thief and the Cobbler were still available uh, in order to release it, but the North American rights he felt were currently too complicated to also release the Blu-ray there. So if you're across the pond, if you're across the pond, mate, (laughs) mate, go get yourself The Thief and the Cobbler, mate. A bloody (laughs) Blu-ray disc. Go get yourself the bloody Blu-ray disc of Thief and the Cobbler, mates. Uh, apart from animation, Williams's great other passion was traditional jazz music, which I found to be very interesting. But jazz is kind of... Actually, you know, jazz and animation are kind of... They're both similar. They both have very, like, you know, they can both be very complicated, but also be very beautiful if you kind of, like, know what you're doing. Uh, he led an ensemble in London named the Dicks Six. I love that. That's such a good name. Uh, that played regular <laughs> gigs at venues such as the Pizza Express Jazz Club, the 100 Club, the Britannia Hotel in Gross- Grossvenor's Square, all in the Great London area. And, little known fact, he designed the logo from The Graduate. That oh. was him. No shit. Yeah. So, with uh, with Mrs. Robinson's legs? Yes, that was him. That was Mr. Richard Williams. Wow. Let's fucking go. Hell Truly. yeah. Truly. <laughs> Squirked up white boy with the sauce for that one. Very I will say. Very, hey, that, need a timestamp for that logo. For <laughs> <as well. laughs> uh, and then last but not least, uh, this one's actually pretty sad, actually. This <laughs> with the sad one. But uh, Richard Williams said that the movie would be impossible to finish today. While he could have the actual remaining animation done in a year, all of the original artwork and film materials from the movie are scattered and lost, and it would be unfeasible to track it all down. And even if that weren't a problem, legal issues involving the film elements would keep a finished version from being released. Anyways, in other words, this movie will always remain unfinished, and Williams says that he is satisfied with the work print edit as it is and has moved on to making other projects. Unfortunately, he passed away on August August 17th, 2019, at the age of 86, without ever seeing a finished version of Thief and the Cobbler as it had originally been envisioned. Sad. Did a phone Did a phone just, just, just ring as soon as I... Is that Richard Williams calling to be like, let's get this going. Let's get this going. From the grave. No, <laughs> Mason, you must complete my movie. Live from New York, it's Thief and the Cobbler. <laughs> Musical guest. 
fuck. <laughs> and your host. Shit. Uh, I'm not. We everyone knows who the Mercedes Valuable Player is. Um, mm-hmm. Haley, we like to let the guest give the Mercedes Valuable Player first. Who, what, or which, or when, is your Mercedes Valuable Player for Thief and the Cobbler? I'm going to go with the Thief. Okay. Bo- boring answer, but. No, good answer. Um, probably means that it's true. Um, <laughs> and then se- second place is the little mouse that the cobbler meets in jail. Who's okay. his like, side? Yes. Yeah, mm. okay. Underrated mm. but important character. We Not might even five. be able to give that mouse the coveted Zevon Award. Oh, wow. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll give him the Zevon for... We can't believe the mouse isn't more popular. We'll yeah, give exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I forgot to explain to you what the fuck is Zevon. That's <laughs> what we were doing because I was like, never comes up anymore. Never cut in these days. These days. You, hey, you don't say, don't be, don't, don't be so sure. Oh. Winky wink. Wink. Wink wink. Also wink. Also wink from me. Actually, <laughs> also big wink from me <laughs> on that one. But Mason, why don't you wink, wink us a song? You're the podcast man. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, give my Mercedes Valuable Player to the aforementioned chase scene, the scene that um, Haley highlighted earlier. Uh, if you watch that scene on YouTube and you're just like, "Holy shit!" Uh, that that scene in particular had a had a hold on little old me. I re- remember it so vividly, just watching it, thinking it was so cool. Uh, there's a couple things in this movie that just like were buried deep in my subconscious, like the like the 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 guards' song that they sing, um, or the 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 the, the big burly guys they meet in the desert. That song that they sing was like locked in my subconscious too, and I was just like, holy fuck! Uh, but the chase scene, the chase scene more specifically, uh, if you can find that scene on YouTube, um, really just uh, it's it's just kind of astonishing. It's just an astonishing piece of filmmaking that I really thought was so cool and unlike anything else so that's my mvp noah how about you what do you got i got an mvp and you're gonna and you're gonna like it how do you like it like beetlejuice would say how do you like it <laughs> how do you like it uh or as, or as jack nicholson's joker would go wait till they get a load of this mercedes player or something like that i don't know i'm just having fun you guys it's fine it's fine to have a little fun on your own podcast uh, you gotta you gotta have fun you gotta have fun <laughs> Um, I'm gonna give him MVP a Mercedes Valuable Player and a Zevon to Richard Williams. Like, there you go. Just there you go. I mean, it's it's staggering to see what they were able to do actually, visually wise in this film. And I gotta check out that recobbled cut sometime this year. You know, it's just it's astounding. It's like truly amazing. And prologue that little short that he did uh, back that was nominated for a short short subject animation Oscar and back in 2015 or 2016 is brilliant. And Who Framed Roger Rabbit is brilliant. So he gets my Mercedes Viable Player. It's brilliant. You get a little finger gun going, pop, 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 pop. Uh, oh, I'm going to do a shoot. I'm going to shoot. Don't, you're shooting <laughs> each other in the Zoom call. I'm shooting Haley with a little gun and Mason's no. like, I'm dodging bullets over here. You would were never you, shoot me. Were you shooting me? <laughs> what were you doing? I was saying ding, 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 because I also like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> But then we were caught violent, so I got scared and I did start shooting him. Sorry. 
okay, guess we're gonna have to play the fucking flute for that because we need to not we need to be nice to each other in these in these day and ages. That's all we have is each other at this point. Uh, Lord, ain't that the truth? Ain't that the fucking truth? So I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna break the rules a little bit for my recommend. I'm gonna give a conditional recommend to Arabian Night personally, mm-hmm. but the Thief and the Cobbler just as an entity as sort of just like an abstract idea, full recommend as a totality thing, regardless of the fact that we'll never get a finished version of the way Richard Williams thought about it overall. Um, I think it's sort of a beautiful a beautiful moral tale, honestly, at the end of the day. The actual real-life version of Thief and the Cobbler. So I know that breaks the rules in an insane way, and it's never been done on the show before, but that's what I'm doing, Mason. Sorry. That's that's an incredible workaround to this, the dilemma of Arabian Night, uh, which I also watched. Uh, and you know what I'm going to do, Noah? What's that? I'm going to steal that exact same recommendation sort of strategy from you. I am going to say conditional recommend to Arabian Night it's probably fairly easy to access of all of the versions to watch. If you're, I got a uh, fire truck or an ambulance going through. Sorry here, folks. If you got jump on that uh, thing right away and say, turn around. We're watching Arabian night right now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but the, th- if you just need to like get into the thief and the cobbler, however, whichever way strikes your fancy Arabian nights, not the ideal way, but it's probably the easiest way. Um, but if you're creative and you can find other ways to watch it, um, definitely just full recommend on The Thief and the Cobbler just because it's so ambitious and, and vibrant and um, just just detailed and unique and just really, really, truly quite a feast. Um, it's uh, in many ways it reminds me of the Wachowski Speed Racer, so that might be a fun little Whoa. double feature sort of situation. But I don't want to. Uh, that just came to that thought. Maybe you'll invite Chef all your Haley. friends over, and you'll have a little sleepover, yes. and maybe maybe yes. your uh, maybe your parents will let us rent two movies yes. from Blockbuster. Maybe yes. they'll let us One's rent the, thief two. the Cobblers, the other Speed Racer. <laughs> yes, <laughs> maybe we can get pizza from Godfather's Pizza because I like it more. Just kidding. Okay, sure. Okay. Sorry, Haley. Haley, do you recommend <laughs> Thief and the Cobbler? Oh, no, you froze. Oh, wait, no, you're back. Um, oh, there I am. Yes. I recommend a comprehensive education yes. on Thief and the Cobbler. I also specifically recommend that parents show it to their children. Um, I think there it's a really go. good cartoon for children to watch. I think it's incredible for the imagination. But I think you should just watch every version of it that you can because it's unfinished. So, um kind of it's like it's kind of cool that it's unfinished because it's kind of like alive you know you can yeah, like sure. piece together sure, yeah. um in any which way you see fit and choose which parts you like so yes i do i recommend and with that now for something completely different well not, <laughs> i don't want to maybe not completely different but it's different it's different uh chef haley we got an album to talk about that you brought us as well. What the hell is this album? What are we talking about? Okay, so we are talking about Color Green by Sibel Bayer. Um, I chose this album because I love it and I think it's underrated, um, but I thought it was nice to pair with Thief and the Cobbler because it too was released 
long after its original conception as a like piece of oh, sure. art. Yeah, so, there you go. Um, and similarly to Richard Williams, Sibel Byer is like an unconventional, she is amazing at her craft, but her delivery is unconventional because okay. yes. she, she didn't actually release her own music. This album was released by her son. So he knew that she made music, um, but she was primarily a mother. So she was also like a seamstress and an actress and an artist in a lot of different realms and was definitely talented. Um, she's actually in some of who directs Paris. It's Black Vim Vendors. Well, Vim Vendors. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, she writes a song about him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't even make that connection. Um, that's true. But, yeah, she she was a professional artist in several different arenas, but she ultimately chose to be a mother. Um, and I'm also big on the motherhood is artistic thing, so I'm just a huge fan of her. And um, I think more people should listen to the album. I think it should be really famous. I think it's really beautiful and unique. And it should be, she should be a household name kind of uh, as a symbol for the underground folk movement. Wait, before, before Mason and I give our, our uh, histories with Sabelle Byer, what did you, did you say motherhood is artistic? Is that what you said? Yeah. Wait, can you talk about that a little bit more? I don't really even know if I understand what you're saying, but I'm interested. Yeah. So, um, I just think that raising children and like giving birth to children and being a mother is like really is kind of like you know you're like creating something okay, um yeah and then also the, the mm. way that you choose it's just a very like qualitative like qualitative endeavor um okay yeah and it requires your attention and it, you have to nurture something and i think that i think it makes total sense that clearly she was a gifted mother because her son cared so much about her and her like internal world that he chose to help her release this album and still to stay he like promotes her and he runs a website for her even though she's like extremely shy and um mm -hmm. is described as like being sort of confused at her her minimal fame that she now has um but it's clear that she was an amazing mother and an amazing wife and i think it makes sense that she was also artistically talented in several other arenas of her life um I really like that. I had not really ever considered that in that way, but I think that's very interesting. That kind of reframes the album a little bit for me, to be honest with you. Like, in this moment, I feel like I got zapped by lightning in that way right now. <laughs> very cool. But, Mason, while I, can, while I recover from being one of a small handful of people to be struck by lightning in the world, uh, what's your history with Sibel Beyer and this album? Uh, so this is... Uh, an interesting sort of way that this I guess that this album formed before this listen tonight was in a discover weekly of mine and I think I think specifically February of 2017 which was my first uh, full winter when I was living in Los Angeles and it was very dark it was very rainy it was very heavy and I was just flipping through discover weekly just like kind of getting the kind of mush of that that playlist in my ear and this came through and it was like such a hazy ethereal kind of dreamy sounding song that really just matched what was going on outside and I was just like this is so cool I love this song I love this song it's so good and I don't remember if I listened to the full thing um 
after that, and I think that's, I'm sure that I've heard, you know, or you encounter, I should say, this, that song a lot. I don't know if I'd ever heard other songs of hers. Um, so sitting down yesterday with the intention, uh, I made a, a, a friend of mine came over, we shot a little short film in my apartment um, in the early afternoon, and that got done really early, thankfully, and so I just sat in my easiest chair and just listened to this album yesterday, and I was like, man, it's winter. I've got Savao Baye singing. It was, it was, those were the conditions when I was listening to this. But Noah, before I get too far down that rabbit hole, what about you, bud? Where were, where were you at with this album? Uh, so famously, this has been documented in lots of books, uh, Haley and I, our <laughs> friendship started by just DMing each other about music we liked on Twitter.com. Is that fair to say? Yeah, really? definitely. We definitely met on Twitter. <laughs> we met on Twitter. That's, 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 in the world. <laughs> the, that's like coffee table book is we met <laughs> on Twitter. There's all the crazy friendships that have formed that way. <laughs> um, it feels like Mason and I met on Twitter, but we certainly did not. We met IRL. We actually met over the phone. No, we... Yeah, we met we <laughs> we met over a landline. <laughs> we met at a payphone. Oh, so yeah. old fashioned. I was like Adam Levine calling you at a payphone. <laughs> yeah, and I said if Happy Ever Ever didn't exist, how the fuck am I supposed to explain right now? <laughs> is what I is what I said <laughs> to you over over the payphones. I said, call me back at this number if you hear the if you feel the heat coming around the corner. Call me back at this number right here. <laughs> um, and then I got shot, and you came and held my hand, and it was very nice. And then a fucking plane you- just fucking show. <laughs> Right over our heads. Yeah, very cool. Uh, but famously, Haley and I, we started DMing about music. I don't even remember how it started, but we were just talking about music at one point. And that was kind of our, that was sort of our touchstone before we met IRL, uh, summer of 2021. And I think, I think it was maybe Ween, honestly, that was sort of like the, the, oh. the rocket that sort of like shot us off. And I can't remember how it even started but you were like oh I love Ween and I'm like oh yeah Ween is amazing and then we just started talking about Ween and I remember I was going to have Thomas on my favorite podcast when that was active and we were going to be talking about um, Blink-182's Dude Ranch specifically the lyrics in that song in that album he really likes the way that those songs are written and Haley and I were sort of talking about lyrics and I and she called herself a lyrics gal is what she called herself I believe Lyrics uh, guy. Lyrics guy, excuse me. <laughs> hey. Hey now. I'd like to hear that. <laughs> and um, I said I didn't really think of myself as a lyrics guy, but I had songwriters that I liked, and then I asked her who were some of her favorite lyricists, and, like, right away she said, Sabelle Byer. I was like, who the fuck is Sabelle Byer? <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. And then she, like, sent me the Spotify link to Color Green, and I didn't listen to it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no. How disrespectful. Sorry. Yeah, I'm a big fucker. Um, and so I, but I remember the name and I'm like, one day. And that's actually the, that's actually the thing is that I remembered you telling me about her and then I could not for the life of me remember and then I didn't do anything about it. I didn't try and look it up. I didn't ask you again, but I was just like, oh yeah, she told me about Savelle Byer or whatever. At one point, and now here we are. We're, we're talking about Color Green on, on It's On The List, a wow. podcast about underrated Full albums. Circle. Movies a whole lot more. Haley. What do you like about this here album? What do you like about it? Um, wow, that is a very big question. Yes. But I I just enjoy I enjoy the lyrics. 
Um, and I enjoy the mundanity of the lyrics, like the way that they sort of describe her day-to-day life, her feelings that she seems to be having in her day-to-day life. Um, I don't know. I just think it's really poetic. And I guess it's sort of hard for me to describe why I like it because it's such an emotional album. Um, Mm -hmm. But it reminds me, like, I sometimes think about her and I'm like, what a, like, Sylvia Plath-ass musician. (laughs) Like, it's very, to me, it's very much kind of like girl music. Like, it's it's very focused on, like, um, to me, what feel like kind of like feminine feelings. Um, And I always really relate to that sort of thing. And so I think I just really enjoy it that and I also something that I like about it is the like solitude element of it like it feels like a very lonely album which I think makes sense because she recorded it without the intention of releasing it and um so it's a very like private like it feels like you're sort of looking into like peering into someone's inner world in this unique way in which they didn't necessarily intend on sharing it um and I think that's a really like special element of the album that makes it so so pleasant to listen to mm-hmm. and also cathartic to listen to what do you think about that mace i like the sound of all of that um i i i like the sound of all of that i that's the one like kind of sonic quality i can think of is this album is i just love how i guess intimate is probably the rest best word just just her and this guitar and it was like sitting and like really trying to just like actively listen and be in the scenes of all of these songs and just like of, of her recording and I just had this image of like she's alone like maybe maybe her house is a studio that she can record these in or maybe she's just like at her kitchen table or some like kind of quiet safe place recording this music and it comes out and it's so beautiful and it's so just um like you Haley I think I'm first and foremost I think I'm a lyrics guy because when I'm listening to something new I just am focused on what the people are the musicians or the song the singers are are just saying saying and then I guess I can kind of go outward and listen to or it maybe comes and goes I'm not quite sure um but I just thought that this album was so beautiful and it also was like you know after watching um John Dahlman earlier in the week, which is just three, even though I was asleep or nodding in and out, I was fighting myself <laughs> to stay awake in the first part. And that is because I had a long day at work. Nothing about the No m- one's mad at you. No one's mad Shuntel at you right Ackerman. now. Stop no. yelling. I'm mad at me right now. I'm mad at me for falling asleep in the first 20 minutes of that fucking movie. But I saw the rest of the, the three hours. I was alive, awake, alive, awake for three hours of that movie, just being in, in that particular woman's life for three hours and just like being with her and seeing these just like little things that like go little small always small things that happen in her day to to just build up into this 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 sort of release that happens at the end of the movie and this is like I love that there's songs on here about just like she wrote a song about like a nice day that she had with her kids in winter um she wrote a song about just like boys that she that that just just the songs like says Elliot uh, or, or William or whatever they're just so just so observant I just like being kind of in her in her world and just like being with her as she described how she how she sees things and it's so 
lovely and emotive. Um, and I just, I was smitten. I'm smitten by this fucking album. That's it. That's what I want to say. <laughs> you kind of had a very, Smi- it smites me. You had a very serendipitous occurrence with this and Jean Dielman. Like that's, I really pretty did. Amazing, actually, right? <laughs> to be honest with you, like I've never seen it. I'm kind of waiting for a moment where it is playing in LA to that's see. That's how it. you should do it. Yeah, I don't want to try do it. and watch a three and basically three and a half hour movie in my house that is so like demands your attention, you know. Um, but that's so serendipitous that you happen to have this album and Jean Dielman in your life at the in the same you know space. Yeah. I will just straight up say. I had a little bit of trouble connecting to the entirety of this album. Like yeah, I get that. Yeah. Um, okay. There are select. There are songs that I really did enjoy, and I really was surprised, delightfully surprised, that the final track on the album has a little bit more mm-hmm. of a production element to it. Give me yeah. a smile. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was very delighted about that, and it kind of just made me start thinking like. Man, if she had, if her life had been different in some way, shape, or form, what would a, would it sound like Fiona Apple, like, moving forward? Would it sound like, I don't know, But what would be the, the diff, what's the the thing that would be different that would allow her the the, the time or whatever you want to call it to, to make more music that sounded more like Give Me a Smile? I mean, just having more access and resources, possibly to, like, a, like a group of musicians, you know, because the rest of this, the entire album up until that song is just her and a guitar. You know, it has that sort of like Blaze Foley sitting by the road, you know, quality to it in that way. But I really was liked sort of how the music got big, but her voice remained consistent in the way that it is throughout the album. I thought that like just that just that juxtaposition in that last song was very cool. But I did have kind of a hard time connecting to the album in its entirety because to me it it kind of gets a little boring, to be honest with you, at times. Like there are times mm-hmm. throughout the album where I like especially like entering the middle of the album and like right before the mm-hmm. end, where it kind of just feels like it's bleeding together for me. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I just I found it to be I don't know. I just wasn't. I just wasn't like up in arms about this. But I don't dislike this album by like any stretch of the imagination. I just found listening to it as a whole to be a little bit more laborious than I actually had anticipated it being in initially, uh, which I guess was more surprising than anything. Um, I think my favorite tracks on the album are as follows: "Tonight," great way to open up the album. I think that's a great opening track. The end. That's not a cover of The Doors. That has nothing to do with The Doors song in the end, right? It's, like, completely different. Yeah, it's separate. Yeah. Um, Forget About, Color Green, Driving, and Give Me a Smile are probably, like, my my standouts on this. Um, I don't know. It was, it, was an interesting, it was an interesting listen. I feel like I don't have, like, a ton of, you know, insight or anything to say, but I do actually – I do agree with you, Haley, in some ways that I'm like, this, is, this does feel female-centric. This album does in a lot of ways and just ways that maybe I'm not able to understand, you know, moving forward. But Mm -hmm. I do agree with you that at times it just felt felt a little distant for me, you know, in some of those ways. But I don't dislike this album as a whole. It just I kind of went in and out a little bit. 
Yeah, I think that makes total sense. Actually, it kind of reminds me of, um, I'm a Jessica Pratt fan. I don't know if you guys listen to Jessica Pratt. I don't even know who that yeah. is, actually. On your recommendation, I think I check, I listened to one Jessica Pratt oh, album. Cool. I well, I, yeah, I love her. And she has an album called Quiet Signs that I really like. Um, but I can't listen to it, like, all the way through, really. Like, listening to it as a, a complete album, I get a little bit, like, almost tired of her voice she has this like crazy beautiful like alien voice and i get a little bit just like and also the songs start to sound sort of like monotonous and the same but i think that that doesn't dampen my like affection for her music it's more just that like i don't like to sit down and listen to the whole album at one time yeah and I suppose I feel that way about a lot of music, actually, but that probably has more to do with, like, my attention span than anything else. But I can totally see how you would feel that way about Color Green. And I also, there are some songs on it that are kind of, like, far less interesting to me than others. Like, I definitely, there are some on there that are some of my favorite songs of all time, and then there are others that I don't really care about very much at all. But That's I still good. love the album, album, like, on the whole, Yeah. I love that. Do you, can you actually, I'm not to put you on the spot, can you give an example of one where you're like, fuck yes, and then another one where you're like, all right, whatever, skip. I'm just interested. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say that Driving is my favorite song. Let's go, baby. On that oh, album. Yeah. I love that song so much. I could listen to that song on repeat for like a whole entire day, probably. Um, I'm going to pull it up and look at it so that I can decipher which one is my least favorite because I it's hard to sure pick offhand I also love I lost something in the hills I think that's really beautiful mm-hmm. I also love forget about um yes. mm-hmm. I actually don't like give me a smile very much personally and I don't care that much about um softly softly that's the one about that's uh yes. that's yes. that she that with the the kids on yeah the and I like I like that I think it's a beautiful song and I really enjoy that she's writing about her children, but um, the, something about the melody of that song is like very dissonant and di- more difficult for me to listen to for whatever reason. Yeah, this album is it's in, like I could see like throwing a couple of these bad boys into an epic playlist, you know, and like, oh, driving's coming up, or oh, give me a smile's coming up, like, let's go. But I think you kind of said it best, actually, what kind of my thoughts and feelings on it were, where it's like, a couple of these really hit, but I don't know if I'm going to come back and listen to Color Green in its entirety, you know, because of sort of, I find the voice a little monotonous through and through and through over and over and over again, a little bit more, you know, just the same, you know, across the board, but there's a couple in here that just really hit, and that doesn't make an album. I mean, I don't know. There's certain albums where it's like, yeah, I'm listening to every single fucking song on this, and then there's albums where it's like, I love that this one song <laughs> exists on here, and I can just take that and never have to listen to that entire thing again. But yeah, you kind of, you kind of, you know, took the words right out of my mouth, I guess, um, more or less. Mason, where do you stand? Where do you stand on this? I think I'm just like kind of maybe a little separate from you guys. I like the the thing as a whole. I I loved listening to it top to bottom the two times that I did just like making really making time for it and just allowing it to fill up the my my half hour there. Of course that yes, I would say that my favorite like 
ones that I'm going to pull off and put into playlists or just like keep in the back of my head think are like probably the first three tracks or maybe tonight I lost something in the hills that one like really hit me this time um very imaginative I also I really like uh forget about also that one yeah that song I is mentioned really good. the Z-Von. that song is like, that one gets my Zvon I I love nuts yeah I could re-listen to I love just like slow slow dance songs like slow waltzes like that. Um I like whim I like forget. I'm I like I'm like trying to figure out who or what forget is about cuz the first time I heard it I was like, "Oh, is there just like a little pet that they have in their neighborhood or something that comes by the the window?" I don't know. Um I'm kind of between you guys on Give Me a Smile where like first time I listened to it I kind of had the Noah Marger reaction where I was just like all right, this does like the the voice is sounding the same, the production is sounding the same. Like I know, like this is just the sort of the conditions that it was recorded in. And then, give me a smile, like kind of brightens you up because there's something besides a voice and a guitar to listen to. Uh, but the second time that I listened to it, I was just kind of like, I guess had this sort of thing where I was like, oh, maybe like, you know, this does show like what I guess like no was saying what what could have come um, had she just had access to her or had her life been differently. But it's also like a lot of music around that time has that kind of like kind of production on it and there's songs that I really like that use that sort of production well there's other times I can get just get like kind of it kind of becomes wallpaper after a certain point I really just I think fall on the side of this as just like a document of just songs that somebody recorded however they felt safe to do it the songwriting itself is just so tremendous and so um, deep and just so so beautiful that I just I just really like want to get like be surrounded by that sometimes you know like sometimes it's nice to have music just have a lot of instruments a lot of detail things like that other times it's just enough to have one person and an instrument just be singing to you what their life is like so I love it that's all I got to say about it I love it I was I was really 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 this one i can see myself coming back to it that's it um to to kind of hop off of what you were just saying i think that it's fundamentally like a bedroom album like in the most yeah yeah like and i'd say that yeah absolutely and i think that like my appreciation slash tolerance for that kind of music is slightly higher than noah's um i really like stuff that is like you said just bedroom music like just sounds like somebody in their in their safe place just like making 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 nice music that's it. Yeah. it she's so yeah and now i feel like they're i like bedroom music but now there's so much bad bedroom music because it's yeah. like the concept because it's so easy well and yeah. it's so it's so like <laughs> masturbatory now because it's like ooh, yeah. everyone's gonna listen to me doing my bedroom music as opposed to like I'm doing my bedroom music because I absolutely have to. Like that sounds sort of corny, but right. like that's what this sounds like to me, I and that's you, what I like about it so much. Is like she didn't even plan on releasing this, so there's no like masturbatory, egotistical element to the emotional aspects of the album, and like the kind of like truths about herself that she uncovers. They're they're like purely discovery, like self discovery in earnest or whatever which is what i like so yeah kind of makes it outsider art in that way exactly yeah it definitely is yeah give get her and daniel johnston in an, in another world together and see what they can cook up see what they cook yeah. up that'd be fucking crazy yeah but they're almost like opposite too they're no, like 100 
similar, but they are similar, I think, but they're opposite because he was so obsessed with being famous and she like rejects fame, you know? Sure. Yeah. I just want to, I just want to see them celebrity death match style. Though. <laughs> Go after you. That's what I want to see. I want to see him being like, let's write, write a song about a cow. And she's like, okay, but what if the cow is like a mom? <laughs> what if she has a calf? And he's like, I don't care about that. I just want the cow to go moo. And she's like, okay. <laughs> okay. Sure. Okay. Uh, let me see. Do I have any other, do I have any other fucking things to say about this one? Uh, this album has 14 songs, but the, the TRT is only 33 minutes. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, that it's there's a, a lot going it's on. An, here. This is a short. This is a shorty episode this week. We got two shorties for the crowd, for the audience out there. <laughs> this is a short king. It's a short king episode. It's a short king episode. There we go. Absolutely. What else we got here? Anything? Anything? Any? Any final thoughts about this? About this one, Haley? Any final? Any final things to wrap up our discussion of Sabelle? Um. I don't think so. I think you you just have to listen and, and form your own thoughts. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Let me like giving it back to the audience. Being like, yeah. you be the judge. Boomerang. The boomerang effect. What about you, Mace? Any final thoughts? I don't think I have any final. I think I've said what I need to say. I I've gotten yeah. I'm 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 plumb out of of things to say about this album. I love it. I think it's very beautiful. Smell Buyer, born February twenty fifth, nineteen fifty five. Hey, we got a birthday coming up. Hey, you guys get the invite? Yeah. Yeah. Mason, did you get the invite? I didn't hear if you got the invite. No, but it's okay. It's okay. We're not close like you guys are. Well, I'll talk to her. Me and Haley will talk to her and see if maybe she's got room for one more. Yeah, I'll be in there. If you could just say, I mean, all I want her to know is that I think her music is really cool. And I think that she uh, wrote a lot of really tremendous and beautiful songs. So if you could just pass that message along, I don't need to come to the next function. Well, if if she does have room for one more, I wasn't going to bring you. I just, would you want me to talk to her and see if she's got room for one more? (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Anyway, her birthday's coming up. Haley and I will be there. Mason will not be there. (laughs) But... She is a German folk singer and actress whose musical abilities achieved belated recognition with the 2006 release of Color Green, compiled from songs she had recorded in the early 70s. Having played guitar and piano as a young girl, she was moved to write her first song, Remember the Day. After taking a road trip with a friend across the Alps to Genoa via Strasbourg, very, mm. very, very European, if I do say so. <laughs> it's the dumbest shit in the world. It's literally, yo, yeah, very European of them. Very, very, very European. Uh, she appeared in the Vim Vendors film uh, Alice in the Cities, and her music is also featured in Umar Mungen und Ander Sachen. Don't know what the fuck's going on with that one, but that was another uh, Vim Vendors film from 75, and Vim Vendors is Palermo shooting from 2008. Bayer opted not to pursue an acting or singing career and eventually moved to the U.S., where she concentrated on bringing up a family, as Haley said before. The songs that made up the album Color Green were home reel-to-reel tape recordings Bayer had made in Germany between 1970 and 73. Some 30 years later, her son Robbie, shout out to Robbie, compiled a CD. Robbie, come here, Robbie. (laughs) Compiled a CD from these recordings to give to family members as presents. He also gave a copy to Dinosaur Jr.'s Jay Maskus, who turned it and passed it to Orange Twin, the label, who then released the album in Feb of 2006. So shout out to Jay Maskus kind of being a big part of what the hell's going on here. We love that for him. Is Jay Maskus a quirked up white boy goaded with the sauce? I would, or is Robbie Byer a quirked up white boy? I don't think Robbie Byer's quirked up at all. 
he's po- he's That's like seeing fo- he's seeing past being worked up. I think <laughs> he's the guy. <laughs> he's based. If anything, he's based. Yeah. Good for Robbie Byer on that one. Jay Mascus is corked up. White boy, good with the sauce for sure. Um, kind of cool. Uh, in t- April 2008, it was revealed through her official website that Byer was going into a recording studio and written two new songs. The first of these, Let Us Know, was released in September of 2008 for the film Palermo Shooting. The instrumentation on most of Color Green is minimal, featuring only Byer's voice and nylon string guitar. However, the last track, Give Me a Smile, features an orchestrated string section and an electronic organ, and Byer plays a steel string instead of a nylon strung one. And Derek Almstead is credited with mastering the record. Last but not least, if you all have not been out to her website, this is kind of a fact, more of a more of an editorial, more of a New York Times editorial piece on this one. Uh, but I think the website's very cute. I think it's a great, and I actually listened to the album my second time through on the website with the lyrics mm. up. That was a very interesting way to listen to it because I am not a lyrics guy for the most part, especially not on something new. Uh, if I've listened to something a lot, I'll eventually start to meld those two worlds, but uh, not as much of a lyrics guy. Not to say I am not don't appreciate them, but that's not usually what I'm hearing the, for the most part the first time around. And this is what the homepage says. Hello, and thanks for walking by here. I, her son Robbie, set this site up to give fans access to some more pictures and songs. There might be some of Sabelle's poems here someday or samples of her art. It will grow at its own pace. Sabelle will most likely never see this site. She is really quite perplexed by all the attention that her album Color Green has gotten. My father kept telling her about all the pages and articles there are about her, but she, though smitten, prefers to hear her accolades through the eyes and ears of her family. The web makes her dizzy, I think. If you have a question or comment for her, I will do my best to pass it along. Have fun poking around this site. That is so nice. I think that is so beautiful that the that that is the opening page of the website. And there's a guest book slot on the website where you can like leave a little message for Sabelle on the website. I haven't done it, but I did scroll Cute. through it a little bit. Um, I don't know how well regulated the website is now. The last like musing or anything was posted in like early 2016. So I think maybe it's been a minute since anyone's really like cooked up some, cooked up some, some swag going on on that website. But Maybe it'll get to Sabelle one day. I'm going to give my Mercedes Valuable Player to the song Give Me a Smile um, just because I prefer that kind of thing. There's some really good songs on this album, but I think overall I'm going to give it a conditional recommend, maybe a light regular recommend. I don't really know yet, but I'm going to stick with conditional recommend for now. Um, I don't know. That's just kind of where I'm at, but Give Me a Smile makes me think, hmm, what if? What if? But that's not who Sabelle is, and I respect that. Mason, what do you got? Uh, full recommend for me. I think this album is lovely. If you are living in a colder state, like <laughs> I am in Chicago, and if you need something to just keep you nice and comforted on cold days indoors, man, oh man, does this do the trick like a hot cup of tea or your favorite hot beverage there? Uh, Mercedes Valuable Player for me I'm going to give it to the song Forget About I also gave that song Zevon, but that was just oh man does time slow down when you are hearing that song so that's that's how I feel Chef Haley how about you alright so I obviously highly recommend this album I think everyone should listen to it especially if you consider yourself a 
underground folk or folk music fan. Um, it would be unfair to leave her out. And I'm going to give my Mercedes Valuable Player award yes. to, I'm gonna give two. I'm gonna give one to yes. Driving um, because I just think that song is so special. I love that song because I feel like it sounds like a song that shouldn't be very good for some reason. Like it, it doesn't sound like a, a superstar track on the album, but it is. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I love, yeah, I love that song. Um, and to Sibel's son because I just think it's yes. really like beautiful that he um, felt that his mother's music was important enough that it should be shared widely. So yeah. Love that, love that, love that. You know that she was serious though when she gives it a high recommend because she went babushka mode on us in the in I the did. Zoom call. She fucking she's threw going, that yeah. bonnet on and said, she's, it's time, yeah. don't fuck around with me. Be wearing the bonnet, yes. <laughs> I, people wearing bonnets be like, listen to Sabelle. <laughs> <laughs> people wearing bonnets be like, um, well, that about does it for the main part of the show. And I told you guys at the beginning before the, before the tapes got rolling and we got serious that I had a little surprise for both of you guys. Oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I'm all so right. nervous. <laughs> you so are going... All right, well, be, be nervous. <laughs> because uh, peek behind the production curtain, creak, slam, uh-oh, it's made of iron, so it's hard to move. We don't like seeing what... We don't like showing people what we're doing back there. Originally... Haley said to us, can we talk about Home Alone on the podcast? <laughs> and I love that idea of talking about Home Alone. Unfortunately, it doesn't quite fit the bill for what we do on this podcast. Mm -hmm. But because I know that in her heart of hearts, she wishes she spent her Saturday afternoon talking about Home Alone, I'm going to give you one minute Home Alone. I'm going to oh, start boy. a timer, Haley. And you okay. can say anything you want about Home Alone at all okay. for one oh minute. Okay. I'm putting the okay. mic down. All right. Ready? Are you ready? Yeah. Your, your time begins now. Okay. Well, I think Home Alone is one of the most superior Christmas movies. I think it's an incredible film. And I think that Macaulay Culkin is extremely adorable. Um, I feel sort of nervous, but... Um, now, now the phone is <laughs> oh, no. It's interfering with one but, minute home alone. Keep going, though. You got 40, 40 seconds. I just think it's really endearing to watch the youngest member of a family function as an adult. And I love when he puts on the aftershave and when he comes. 30 seconds. Here of um, the heat generator downstairs. And oh, I also obviously love when he makes amends with the old man who people think is a murderer, but he's not actually a murderer. He's just estranged from his son. 15 seconds. And I like that um, that conversation spurs him to be brave and to fight off the thieves that are trying to abominate his family's home. Five seconds. Um, Four. Three. Yeah, I love Home Alone. Two. Every Christmas. One. And we're done. That was one minute Home Alone with Haley B. <laughs> snap, snap, snap. Yay! Woo! That was a good surprise, right? That was excellent. Yeah, Mason, that was a good surprise, right? Uh, we should do that more often. Yeah. No, no. Like <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if we should do that more often. I feel like it was perfect for the occasion. I feel like it was smart. It was nice. 
Maybe we'll do it more often. You and I can do it. We time each other one minute to say what we need to say about. <laughs> That's what I'm going to start doing for you for the rest of the show. Is I'm going to give you one minute to say everything you want to say about the album <laughs> or movie, so that these episodes can be fucking shorter. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. Well, we did. Yeah. It. That was it. That's the show. Haley Bergeson, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for giving us your time. Thank you for bringing on an underrated album and movie. This is the part of the show that you came to do. Plugs, so plug away. Anything you want to plug, now's the time. Um, I guess I'll plug my social media accounts so that I can make more friends like Noah. Moy Bergy on Twitter and Instagram. M U Y B E R G I E. Um, you can also click on the link in the bio on my Twitter, which is a contains a dance film that I made. Um, which is also screening at a virtual festival in March. Oh. Um, and if you follow me on Twitter or something, then I will probably announce that if you would like to watch it be screened. Um, yeah, that's probably just about it. I didn't know about that, about the dance film. That's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, I'm very excited, yeah. Very cool. I'm going to do some plugs now. No, I'm going to do some plugs. Okay, can send us a good email. Everybody wants to the number two. Get on the list at gmail.com. Ryan Maloney, Dustin Tucker, man from the show. No more emails. Social media, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> we might be running more polls to see who the true quirked up white boy go to with the sauces, even though I want to give it to Mason. I want that to reflect on the record that I am nice to him. <laughs> I want it to reflect on the record that that is what happened, is that I won and I graciously yeah, gave yeah, the yeah, title. Yeah. But you can follow us on Twitter at It's On The List Pod and on Instagram at It's On Underscore The List to get updates about what we're talking about, who is coming on the show guest-wise. We're kind of getting down to the final couple guests here, and then we're going to, Mason and I are going to close out my run on the show with a few episodes here and there. And we'll have some fun, but, you know, follow us for the for the remaining time that this iteration of the show exists. You can also follow me on there at Noah Marger on Twitter, at Noah.Marger on Instagram. And I'm Letterboxd. Mo and Arger as well. You can also check out my other podcast, my favorite podcast, the podcast of other people's favorite things. Since she is here, go ahead and I said it in her intro. She's one of the only people to do my favorite podcast in the old podcasting space in Highland Park. Go check out episode 63 of my favorite podcast with Haley Ferguson. We talk about dance, her career as a dancer, and dance as a spiritual activity. There's a lot of a lot of big, a lot of big brain things happening on that episode, and I and I I commit to signing up for a Gaga class with Haley at some point on that episode. So okay. yeah, go listen to that episode. That's episode 63 of my favorite podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, big announcement: our favorite guys over at Everything Now are coming back on February 7th. Let's go! I'll be on that. Let's go! February 7th episode and the February 14th episode. So you can catch me there. I'll be doing some improv with the friends. Uh, and you can watch that on twitch.tv slash everything now show. Obviously, very exciting that they're back. Go support them over there. That's all I got as far as plugs are concerned. Mason, take us home, country podcast. Uh, Barn, a podcast about the shield on all your plot 
podcasting platforms. Uh, Twitter and Instagram at Hot Dog Tabicki. Click the links in that place to buy a All Beer Should Be $1 t-shirt or sticker. Trying to spread the manifesto. Also trying to just have a good time. Uh, it is snowy in the city of Chicago. Uh, but I am doing my best to have a nice time with that. Getting cozy, things like that. I'm going to just recommend being cozy, folks, this week. Uh, what else? Letterbox under my name. I think that's it, other than to say, as we always do, tell someone you love them this week, do something that you love this week, and we will see you all next week. Thank you, thank you. Bye! Bye.